Who do you felt like the Lord spoke to you directly? Anyone just feel like the Holy Spirit just laid some things on it? I just, I really just sensed the cloud was just present. And uh, I, I had this vision of the cloud just coming on this church. And it was like the Lord was just bringing revelation to some. Others were experiencing breakthrough. Uh, there was others that were just experiencing a release in their faith. You know, to many, whatever the need is, but also the Lord just bringing us into a level of understanding of what we are, who we are in Christ. And uh, do you know the purpose of His presence? The very purpose of His presence is to transform your life. God's not here just to bless you, but He's here to change you. And He's here to lift you into greater levels. And uh, uh, because it's amazing, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, even though it's an Old Testament type, the Bible says that his face glowed with the presence of the Lord. And in fact, it said that he had to put a veil over his face because the people couldn't stand it. And uh, they couldn't stand to look at the glory. And by the way, do you know that that's, that veil, the Bible says, still remains over the face of some today? In fact, let me tell you how, how we know that. It's because there are, there are those that do not understand. Remember what Second Corinthians 3 says, For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty or freedom. Amen? There are some people today that do not know how to be free in His house. And if you don't know how to be free in his house, that means there's a veil over your eyes, over your thinking. Because God intends for you to be free. You're not inhibited. You're not bound by religion. You're not bound by fear. You're not bound by thoughts of thinking, wow, this is weird. Now, the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is all about freedom. He's all about helping you Come into perfect joy. Amen. And see, you were created in God's image. When you were created into God's image, you were created not to be sad, not to be bound, not to be limited in small thinking. God created you in His image to think like He thinks. He wants you to start thinking large, great, big thoughts. He wants you to begin to think outside of your own comfort zone, your own limitations. Amen? He wants you to begin to see yourself as a world changer, a history maker. He wants you to begin to see yourself as the kind of individual that makes a difference in the world He's put you in. You are strategically placed by the Holy Spirit to be a light and salt in your world to make a difference. And He's given you power. He's given you authority. He's given you a testimony. He's given you a word. And He's put healing in your hands. And now He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Amen. That, that's the call in the church. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and have great church services and big, great bless me clubs. The purpose of the church is it's just to come here to be blessed and then to go out into our real life, out in the life out there, and just keep doing what we're always doing every day, six days a week. No, He intends for us 
to be charged, our batteries to get charged here and to go out and to fulfill the work of the ministry into all the world. Amen? And by the way, folks, there is no greater life. There is no greater life. I know you might be a teacher, you might be a fireman, a dentist, a doctor, you might be whatever you are, and God's gifted you and He's placed you there. You're, you don't have the brains you have. You don't have the breaks you have. You didn't get that promotion by accident. My Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by God. God orders your steps. He directs your steps. You're not there by osmosis, by accident. He places you where you're at. The people that you're around, the bosses that are over you, the people that are around you or under you, are there strategically for you to make a difference in your life, their life. Amen? And so as we come here together today, you're not just going through life. It's so sad. It is so sad when I hear people say, well, I'm just trying to get to retirement so I can just buy an RV and travel around the United States and go on a cruise forever. How boring. In fact, you know, my, my wife and I, we've gone on several cruises, and we love cruises, by the way. Nothing wrong with a cruise, but you know what's so sad is when people go on a cruise. They go on a cruise and get drunk. They go on a cruise and they get drunk. <laughs> To escape their life. And I'm thinking, man, what a, what a horrible way to spend a cruise. If you're going to spend all that money on a cruise, don't get drunk. You know, the, the purpose of the, the cruise isn't to become desensitized and, and to, to be desensitized. I'll never forget, true story, my wife and I, one of the worst things I ever did was let everybody know that they usually have on cruises early dining and late dining. We were on an early dining cruise one time. And everybody was, going to, everybody was asking about what you do for a living. Well, I made the mistake of letting everyone know I was a pastor. Because all of a sudden, the whole cruise turned into a counseling session for everyone that was on the cruise. Everyone, can, I, can I see you tomorrow afternoon? I said, well, sure. And uh, I'm not kidding. Everybody that was on the I'm not kidding. Carol and I was a, a, kind of amazing. By the way, we, we love to help people. But it didn't turn out to be that very relaxing. But... I'll never forget, we had, we had people there. In fact, all of them that was on our table was concerned about adult children back home that were going through some kind of a marriage crisis, a problem in their life. And they were there, and they were just trying to, they were actually trying to have fun on this cruise, and they couldn't have fun because the things back home were on their minds and there was so so bothering them so badly. And the only way they could escape was to get stoned. What a life. What a horrible life. To get drunk, to get stoned and have your... Uh, bah- I, we heard about Bahama Mamas. And, uh, you know, which I thought a Bahama Mama was a fruit drink. Well, I found out a Bahama Mama has rum or something in it. And I, I took one drink of that and I just, Wow. <laughs> I didn't know Bahama Mama's had any alcohol in it. I'll tell you, it's the worst tasting. I thought I had a drink in ammonia. Uh, it was the worst, grotesque thing. I, I thought it was a fruit drink because it had a pineapple in it. But little did I know it had rum or something in it, and I just about gagged on the deck. I needed prayer and something cast out of me right there. It was horrible, the worst thing I've ever drank. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not trying to throw what wash rag on Bahama Mamas, but it was it was really a bad situation. But you know, God, God I, I believe the abundant life Jesus has for his people is so much better 
than what this world can offer. In fact, do you believe that God wants you to really have... You know, you know the best way to have fun? If you really want to have fun in life, is know Jesus. Jesus really helps you to have the best kind of abundant life. The, the, the best the world has to offer is go out, get stoned, get drunk, go out and party and get into clubs and get messed up. There's nothing in a club. There's nothing out there. Now, the best way to have life is to be in his kingdom, in the kingdom of God. I mean, that, that to me is life. That is life. And you know what? I've been married to my wife here for 36 years, and she's still my best girlfriend. She is my girlfriend, and I'll tell you, she is amazing. And you know what? Marriage actually gets better and better because Jesus is in it. Amen. And, it, and it's just, it's an amazing thing. And the thing that really makes it more powerful is when we have the Holy Spirit in our marriage and the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen. And he wants you to have that kind of life. Now, hey, we all have a past. We've all come out of things in life where we've fallen, we've dropped the ball, we fail. But God is the God of a fresh start. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've come through, all you have to do is begin to do what Paul said in Philippians 3. He said, this one thing I do is I'm going to forget those things which are behind. You've got to learn to let go of those things, and I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. You've got to realize you have a calling in God, and that calling is, number one, it's a high calling. It's high. God's going to take you higher. Everyone say higher. He wants to take you higher. He wants to bring the level of your expectations higher. God wants to begin to bring you into a place where your thoughts are not so pessimistic and so negative and so uh, small-minded. God wants to bring you into a place where your thoughts are larger, thinking over, over the, the wall, over the line. In fact, this morning right now, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me. God's going to begin to tear down walls and begin to remove limitations and pull down strongholds. There's some of us this morning, we've been limited by lies and allegations and uh, assassinations by the, by the enemy and by what other people have said. Some of you today are actually spiritually polarized and paralyzed by what other people have told you. And we tear that down in Jesus' name. We tear down that lie. Some of you said, you're never, amount, you're, you're never going to amount to much. We tear that lie down in Jesus' name. Somebody's been living with the thought all your life because your father told you you were stupid. You are not stupid. You have the mind of Christ. You have a powerful mind. You are not dexlexic. You don't need these mind-altering drugs. You, all you need is the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that will not only empower you with powerful thoughts, begin to put a vision in your life, to begin to help you to catapult you and to move you into what the Apostle Paul refers to as that high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You are called to come up. You are called to think thoughts of increase and prosperity. God wants you to get out of the basement. The Bible says that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart produces good things. God wants your life to be blessed. He wants you to experience the good life. But it's good and it's blessed because he is in it. If he's not in it, then you are living a substandard life. I always ask people this because we always know 
whether we're blessed or not blessed by the fruit that we produce. If you don't like the fruit that you're producing and what you see in your life, you need to ask yourself, what is the seed I'm sowing? What kind of seeds have I been sowing and what kind of seeds have I been receiving from others? Or what kind of thoughts am I thinking? What am I watching? What am I reading? What are the kind of friends and the people I associate with? Where am I going? What, what am I doing? Is my mind really on the right track? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the river, and his leaf will not, his branches will not wither. Whatsoever he shall do shall prosper. How many of you want to prosper this morning? But you know what? If you're walking in the way of sinners and you're sitting in the seat of the scornful, you're not going to be a blessed man. Amen? You know, Christianity demands, it demands that I make certain choices. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, Blessed is the man... He says, or the Lord said to Israel, he says, Today I set before you a blessing and cursing life and death. Choose this day whom you will serve. So I think it's so important. We need to ask ourselves, am I really a follower? Am I really following Jesus? Do you know that Jesus never did make an, an altar call? He never did make an altar call. But what he did say, he says, My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. What are you following? Who's the greatest influence in your life? What are you following? It's really important. It's an important question. What has the tug on your heart? What's, what's pulling you? The world? Is it the Lord? Is it the Holy Spirit? I want you to jump with me in your Bible. We're going to be looking more on the, on the ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning, developing friendship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Still out there today? Amen. Praise God. How, how many, we're, we're, we're speaking about the Holy Spirit. I've got to tell you something. Years ago, fix your mic. Is my mic wrong? Is it not on? I'll bring it up. Okay. Praise God, I get a rubber band tied around my other ear or something. Sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, years ago, I, I lived in a small town, Hood River, Oregon. And uh, I was, uh, my parents moved from Portland to Hood River. And remember in Hood River, we, we had two spirit-filled churches uh, that I recall. And... Uh, one church, they, they, they both claimed to be spirit-filled. And one church believed that you don't wear any makeup, and the other one believed you wore too much makeup. And all I remembered as a fifth grader is when I grow up and ever get married someday, I'll probably end up marrying an ugly woman. So, I mean, I, I, I really didn't, I didn't have such a great concept or understanding of what it means to be spirit-filled, except of all the horror stories. It's amazing. A lot of people draw conclusions about the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, anybody associated with the Holy Spirit. They, they just, they come to conclusions that are downright weird and, and actually wrong. 
And one of the, I think one of the, the biggest, biggest problems with the whole Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-associated ministry today is that too, too many of us have been associated with people that have had a negative testimony about it. Or we've known people that have been Spirit-filled and they've said things, and maybe some strange things, or done strange, weird things, whatever it is, and we've drawn conclusions based on those associations and not based on genuine biblical facts. How many of you believe it's important for us to pursue the truth? It's not important just to take what other people say or even draw conclusions based on the way you see it. How many of you have ever come to find out based on what you think or what you've done or decisions you've made could be wrong? I know that's happened with me. I come to realize that not all spirit-filled women wear too much makeup or don't wear makeup at all. Come to find out that they're just, just dumb thinking. I just had just dumb thinking. And I drew wrong conclusions. Only an arrogant man or arrogant woman will make certain types of decisions that will say this, I'll never do that. That's an arrogant man. I never want to be in my life a person who says, I'll never do that or I won't do it that way. That, that's arrogance. That's not humility. I always want to be teachable. I want to be able to be adjustable. I want to be able to say, wow, I didn't see it that way before, Lord. I'm open to what you have to say for me. How many of you believe that's important? Only, only arrogant people make those kind of statements. I'll never go that way. That, that's a dangerous thing. Another arrogant statement would be this. Well, I, I know what the Bible says, and that nobody's going to change my mind. That's a dangerous statement. By, by our, our Bible tells us, and you know it, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that we know in part, we prophesy in part. No one has, no teaching, no church, no denomination has all the truth. And thank God they don't. Because if they thought they did, that's where pride comes in. God has made it for us to be uh, interdependent upon each other, and here's the reason. When we begin to think we know it all, pride comes in. And then deception follows that. That's where people fall into the entrapment of cult worship. See, cults start, they start right, but they end wrong. Because somebody starts drawing lines and they say it's this way and it's that way and this can never change. You, you can't do that. That's a dangerous position. Now, I understand we have convictions, but we're going to learn today about the advantage. What advantage does the Holy Spirit give a believer? And we're going to learn three simple things about the Holy Spirit. Number one, he's my helper. Number two, he's my friend. And number three, he's my God. Amen? He's my helper, he's my friend, and he's my God. The Holy Spirit, contrary to what many believe, some people uh, 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 associate the Holy Spirit with some just a, a New Testament symbol. Uh, some people call him an it, a fire, a dove, a power, an earthquake, a force. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. Those things may be described, some of his actions, but the Holy Spirit is a real person. He's a real person. He actually has real feelings. 
And my Bible tells us that He loves you. He's for you. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being a companion, a friend, an advocate. He is a comforter. He's here to comfort you all the time. He wants to comfort you. He's going to always, the Holy Spirit is always going to quicken you and lift you into heavenly places. Now, I want you, just first of all, I want you to jump with me to Romans chapter 8, just for starters. Romans chapter 8. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says concerning the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit... Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And here the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us the most important thing about the Holy Spirit is that He helps us in our weaknesses. Now how many here have ever been weak? Let me tell you what weakness looks like. Weakness can come in the form of anyone who has fallen on their face. Maybe you fell on your face and you've fallen into sin. Or maybe you've fallen short. Maybe you lost your temper. Maybe there's something in your own mind, in your own faith. You've, you've kind of just kind of graveled in, in, into the mud of self-pity this week. And you, you feel pretty miserable and pretty bad. And all of a sudden this morning, Sunday comes around. And the devil, how many of you know that when you're down, the devil loves to kick you? And all of a sudden you start thinking, you know, you're not worthy to go to New Life. And if everybody at New Life knew about your background, oh boy, you are so not worthy, you unrepented, unbelievable, sour puss of a Christian. And so you just sit there, yeah, yeah, that's right, I blew it, I fell, I, I'm a backslider, God, I'm not worthy, oh, I'll never be blessed, God doesn't love me, that's right, I'm going to stay home. And the devil just has won that battle. You need to realize that the church is not for the perfected. The church is for people who need God. The church is for the weak. It's for the broken. It's for those who need Him. The Bible didn't say, Come unto me, all you that are doing well and are perfected and are strong. No, He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden with condemnation and with sin. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I want to restore your soul. He didn't say, come unto me, all you're doing well, and you guys are really making those spiritual touchdowns for Jesus. You're the guys I want you to come to church. That's not what God said. But see, the devil wants to make you think you just are mud, you're dirt, you're forgotten. If everybody knew your past, oh, if everybody knew your past. And so all of a sudden, we somehow allow the enemy, and here's why we allow the enemy, because we don't know the Word. We're not renewing our minds with the Word of God. We're not renewing it with the understanding. The Bible says the Spirit helps our weaknesses. How does He help me? He helps me. Because he is your number one cheerleader. He's your number one encourager. 
And here's the reason why he encourages you. Here's the reason why he's an advocate on behalf of Jesus and the Father for you. It's because the blood of Jesus has completely canceled. It was such a complete work. It was such a finished work that it not only cancels your sin, but it imputes his righteousness into you. And that's why, well, the Bible says that he comes as an advocate before the throne to ever make intercession for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. And all he does is he continually reminds you what Jesus did at the cross. And he reminds you who you are and how he has clothed your nakedness with his beauty. He's given you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for one, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He constantly intercedes for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. And so here we have the Holy Spirit coming and he intercedes. In other words, he's acquainted with our weaknesses, but he speaks to our weaknesses. And he's always speaking words of life, speaking words of love. He's gentle. He's a gentleman. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's loving. He will continually draw you. He never speaks words of condemnation. Never speaks words of, of, of how unworthy you are and how much you've disappointed God. That's what the devil says. That's what people have said to us. That's not what God says. So the Spirit helps in my weaknesses. Whatever weakness that is. When, when, when the Holy Spirit speaks, He's going to speak, and He's going to speak into that area of your life. Now let's look at some of these other scriptures I have, Judy, if we could turn to the first ones in Luke chapter 16, or John 16, I believe it is, John, or John 14. Notice what Jesus said. We're going to read some scriptures and go through this quickly. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. That's what a friend does, by the way. He abides with you. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Next. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you in a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Now notice what Jesus is saying. The world will not see me, but you're going to see me. You know what he's saying here? The Holy Spirit's going to give you eyes to see Jesus, not as the world sees it. You're going to see things in the spirit realm that the world cannot see. And he says, but you will see me because I live, and you live also, and that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you... In me, and I in you. Do you hear what he just said there? He's inviting us right into the relationship with the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and you. You're right there connected. Not only are you connected into the Trinity, but my Bible says you're seated with him in heavenly places. A heavenly place there speaks of the authority. Jesus is a seated king. A seated king is a reigning king. He's a king who has all victory and all dominion over all darkness. And he says, you are seated with him. That means no weapon formed against you can prosper. 
Everyone say no weapon. See, you need to understand the power and the position you have in Jesus. My Bible says you're going to see me, I'm going to be in you, you're going to be in me, and we're all in the Father. That means our relationship is pretty powerful. Yeah, but pastor, you just don't understand. I got some real problems in my life. I still got habits, and I got some real tendencies and behavioral issues, and I think I'm bipolar, by the way. When are you going to start believing what King Jesus says over what the doctor says? It's about time that we stop. Listen, now I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. Go to the doctor, take your medication. You know, if you got diabetes, take your medication. Pray, believe God for healing. But I'm also saying to you right now that it, there comes a day where I'm going to start saying, you know what? I know what the doctor says. I know what the psychologist and the pop psychologist saying. Everybody's telling me I'm a nut and everything else. But you know, Jesus says I've got the mind of Christ. He hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but love, and sound mind. And I and the same, and the Holy Spirit's always interceding on behalf of my weaknesses. I'm going to start seeing myself as a mighty man of God instead of a weak backslidden, half-baked, just trying to make it Christian. There comes a day where you need to start putting on the whole armor of God. Let me tell you something. This past, I'm actually embarrassed to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. This past week, I got a ticket in Fort Worth. Can you believe that? I got a speeding ticket. I, I can't remember the last time I ever got a speeding I was going to Fort Worth. I had to pick up some stuff over there. And I, was on, I was just coming off the freeway. And uh, over there off of Crowley Road, and I was coming off the road, and right there as I come off the road, a, a cop's right there, just a state patrol fella. And by the way, I, I love our policemen and all those guys. But this, I, I, I will say, I had a little bit of an attitude with this guy. Though. <laughs> I will say, I, I usually highly respect authority. I always do, actually. Got to be careful here, but, but I, I did have a little bit of an attitude with this guy because I didn't think it was fair. I just, I'm coming off the freeway right onto the service road. And the guy just right there, he's on a side road. He just, he nabs me, gets me. I mean, I'm, I was doing the speed limit on the freeway, but there, there, I, I didn't see the sign, but there's a sign that says 35 and I'm, I'm coming off and I'm doing 52 and the lights. I mean, I wasn't even off the, the little turnout and, and he just, I'm, and the lights coming in, he's in his car, he goes, you know, he's, he's giving me the arm to turn over. I said, me? You know, and so I, I pull off and, you know, I get behind, uh, I get turned off on the road and uh, he says, uh, you know how uh, fast you were going back there? I said, I just come off the freeway. Well, you were breaking the limit, you know, you were going to 52 and a 35 and Oh, uh, you know, that's pretty fast. I said, I said, officer, I I just come off the freeway there. I, I was slowing down. Well, you broke the law, so we're gonna have to do it. So I just give me your uh, insurance please. So he goes back and checks me out, comes back and I I did something I never thought I'd do. I said, Can't you give me a break? <laughs> I actually asked. I never thought I would do that, but I said, Can can can, can you give me a break? He said, no, I'm so, I'm sorry. I, you know, you you you, uh, you went too fast here. You have a good day, though. We'll see ya. He goes around. <laughs> I mean, do you know what happened to me? I was not a righteous man right then. I was so unhappy. 
I was, uh, thank God I wasn't cussing or swearing, but I was not happy. I said, this is not fair. This guy is so wrong. It's just so bad. I said, God, this is, oh, Lord, what is going on here? And then, you know, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit brings Scripture to your mind. You know, and, and guess what the Lord gave me? In everything, give thanks. And I said, Lord, please, not that one. Not that scripture. God always brings the scriptures that you don't want to. And so I'm, I'm saying, so give thanks. I said, okay, God, I don't know. I'm not going to give thanks on this one. He says, Ray, trust me. Just, just be thankful. Be grateful. And uh, so, you know, I came back home, told my wife. She was not happy. Of course, we had to go through that. <laughs> no, she was, my wife was fine. But uh, uh, I called the municipality, the, the courts, and found out three days later I'm owing 238 bucks for this little trip and uh, and I I uh, I said you know what I told this woman on the phone I said this this is just not fair and she says well, what wait a minute what kind of a record do you have she says when's the last time you got another speeding ticket I said well, I don't remember the last I, I said I don't get speeding ticket I don't remember and she looked at my record. She pulled something up. I don't know how she pulled it up. She said, hey, you can get your record clean. Just take six hours of online, whatever, six hours, and this will be wiped off, and you can take a pay-reduced rate. And I said, yes, I claim it. <laughs> I said, you have given me great news. And she gave me a way of escape. Well, do you know that that's what the Holy Spirit does? Even when you're wrong, the Holy Spirit will help you not to get out of it, but the Holy Spirit will provide a way. And I, I tell you, I, I was so blessed to know that, man, I can have my record cleaned. Now, I have to take the six hours online, waste almost a whole day, but, man, I'd rather do that than pay $238. But do you know that the Holy Spirit wants to come and he wants to speak into your life even when some bad things come he he is the voice of empowerment and encouragement let's let's continue to go on here john 14 these things i've spoken to you while i was present with you but the helper the the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that i said to you John 15, 26, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, whom proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. This is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Next. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I... Now, by the way, this is the fourth time the word helper is used in the New Testament about the whole. He's called a helper. Everyone say helper. helper. He's a helper. Now, that word means advocate. And that means he's going to fight for you like in a court situation. He's going to fight for you because God, how many of you know God is for you and not against you? The reason why God's for you and not against you is because the blood of Jesus has canceled your debts past, present, and future. The Helper will not come to you, but, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, has come, he will convict the world of sin 
and righteousness and of judgment because they do not believe in me and of righteousness because I go to my Father and, and you see me no more and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of that which is mine and declare it to you. You know, when I was younger, I used to read that passage where Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict you of sin. And I always used to read, like this, that when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to let you know how bad you are. And of righteousness, because I used to interpret righteousness as not reaching the standard. How bad you are and how far you have fallen short. And of judgment, God's mad at you. So I used to read that. I'm not happy with you. You've fallen way short of my expectations. And I'm just disappointed in you, Ray. I used to read that way. I used to think that the Holy Spirit was coming, and I used to think the conviction of sin was to just make me feel pretty bad about my sin. In fact, I'd heard preachers preach like that. You know what? You put you your sins put Jesus on the cross. Oh, you ought to feel bad, and I'd feel bad. In fact, we used to think that, man, the, the worse you can make people, the better the preaching was. Well, that wasn't life at all. It was killing people. But that's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, years later, I think it was in Bible college when I was beginning to read this, for the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about this. The Lord said, Ray, you're not reading what I'm saying. I'm not trying to tell people and remind them about their sins and what their sin did to me, I'm trying to let them know that the Holy Spirit that comes to convict. By the way, the word convict is the word to convince. Not to just convince you that you're separated by sin, but to convince you and convict you that you need a Savior. That's what he's talking about. I'm here to convince you that you need a Savior and that it was your sin, the Bible says, that because of sin, the law was given to bring us as a tutor, a schoolmaster to Christ. It wasn't intended to rub condemnation on you. The whole purpose of convict the world of sin was to let them know how great God is and how great of a Savior we have and how great His salvation and how complete it is. And secondly... Of righteousness. Do you know that God's not just trying to tell you that you're fallen, you're broken, that you're sinner, but He actually wants to convince you and to convict you of how right you are. The idea of convincing you or convicting you of righteousness is to let you know that you are in right standing with God. The concept of righteousness means to be right with God. It has nothing to do with your merit or your works or your effort. It means that you are right with God. He's here to convince you that you're right with God. 
You're not right with God because you try harder, that you're better. It has nothing to do with making plans. Okay, praise God, this year I'm going to turn over a new leaf and make some New Year's resolutions. This year, praise God, I'm going to start going to church, be better. I'm putting the cigarettes out, throwing the beer out, throwing the Playboys away, and I'm going to be a better person. God help you. And you found out that on January 3rd, after you made the New Year's resolutions on January 1st, you found out you were a liar because you couldn't keep it. And you were doing it in your own strength. But all of a sudden, when you begin to come to realize that, wait a minute, I am the righteousness of God right now. And you begin to live from that place of victory and that place of being seated with Christ and that place where he now calls those things that are not as though they are. I am right now his righteousness. And you begin to see yourself as the person that he's created and transformed you to be because of the work of the cross. You now begin to live from that place of victory. You're not trying to get there. You're already there and you're living from that place of victory. You are seated in a place of dominion authority. And then the third one is this. To convict the world that the, ju- uh, the, that the ruler of this world, the God of this world, is judged. What is he saying there? He is saying there that you as a believer, because you believe and you have received by grace, the Bible says all those who receive the grace, shall reign in life and the gift of righteousness. He's saying that he has given you authority and he's given you power to put Satan under your feet. He is judged. He's under your feet. He is powerless. He has no ability to attach anything to you. He cannot bring anything from your past and put it in your face. He's judged. He's judged what Jesus did on the cross. Colossians chapter 2 says that when Jesus descended into the gates of hell, he spoiled principalities and powers. That literally means Satan's power literally was disrobed and stripped naked. He's judged. So that means that I I need a Savior. Conviction of sin means... That I have a Savior, and He's given me Himself as a Savior. Secondly, He has appointed me as righteous. He's appointed to me as being one who stands before the Lord and being right with God. And Satan has no authority over my life. He's judged. He is powerless. That's what that means. He's my helper. Can you say amen? And when I begin to believe that, Instead of saying, well, pastor, I feel like I need to start doing a lot better. I know that I'm not doing so well. You see, you're still under the law. You, start, you need to start saying, but you know what? It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer what I do, but it's what he's accomplished at the cross. And I need to start doing what God spoke to Abraham. When God told this old barren man called Abraham... 25 years waiting for the promise of the Son, God was saying, from now on, I want you to begin to declare what you are, even though you don't see it. I want you to start calling yourself a father. I want you to start declaring your righteousness, which is of me, saith the Lord. The second thing we find that our Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not only our helper, but he's our friend. 
Amen. What does a friend do? Jesus said in John 15, a friend sticketh closer than a brother. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And what does a friend do? We find that Jesus as a friend, the Bible says he comes to us and he reveals mysteries. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal mysteries. The Holy Spirit wants to give you insight. The Holy Spirit wants to give you wisdom. Years ago when I was in construction, building my own business, the Lord spoke to me one day. I was in prayer and I was praying and I said, Lord, would you bless my business? Lord, would you give me increase? And you know what the Holy Spirit told me? It's just the most amazing thing. I was up at 4.30 in the morning that morning and I'll never forget the Holy Spirit coming to me and he said, Ray, do you know I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to direct you to the right people? And I said, well, Lord, how are you going to do that? He said, during the day, I want you to start looking for me. I, I want you to start listening for me. I'd never done that before. You see, I just kind of put God off to Sundays and God off to a midweek service. Well, Lord, I'm here on Wednesday or Sunday to listen to you. God says, I, I don't want you to just listen to me on Sundays and Wednesday night service. I want you to listen to me while you're at work. I want you to start listening for me to speak to you on the job. Now, that was a revelation to me. All of a sudden, God began to speak to me. And I heard that still, small voice. And God would say, go here, turn there, stop, don't do that. that. That's the way I want you to go. It was amazing. Now, in the beginning, I had to learn to develop an ear for that. I had to learn to walk by faith. I had to learn. I didn't always get everything right, but the Lord began to teach me how to hear His voice. He's a friend. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's caring. And you know how patient the Holy Spirit is? You may fail so many times, but the Holy Spirit as an encourager will always be there to encourage you to get up. Amen? Always encourage you. He will always be a friend. Jesus was speaking in John 15. In, in that passage, he's talking about abiding in the vine, that Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. And he says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And he says, servants do not know what their masters are doing. But he says, I call you friends because I want you to know what I'm doing. Here's what we need to do. We need to say, Lord, show me what you're doing. Let's all say that together. Say it. So, Lord, show me what you're doing. Now, let's say it one more time. Lord, show me what you're doing and what you're saying. Do you know he will answer your prayer? But you've got to ask. Jesus said, James said of this, you have not because you ask not. I've got to start, Lord, show me what you're doing. Show me what you're saying. I'll never forget years ago when I was in my business, for instance, I had clients like the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Hutting Housing and Urban Development, uh, Nationwide Insurance, State Farm Insurance, because I was working with fire and water damage and, and I was in my business. And every single one of those opportunities came, not because of advertisement, but because of the voice of the Holy Spirit. God began to speak to me, and I remember starting my day. I just did. I just, it wasn't no big, long prayer time, but I said, Lord, I'm just open to hear. And, and the Lord began to show me things. He began to speak to me. And now, I didn't have no angel standing in front of me. No white glow from the sky came in. I'm just in my bedroom, and, and I felt in my spirit just this peace. Today, I'm going to lead and guide you. Be open to it. He didn't, give me, he didn't tell me everything. He just said, be open to some things that are going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to happen. 
and things begin to unfold. Now, I'm saying this because the Holy Spirit is your friend. And you know what friends do with friends? Friends stick with friends. Friends help friends. Friends are there all the time. Friends don't let you down. Friends are there when others are not there. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know He's your friend. Have you ever thought about God being your friend? God told Abraham years ago, He said, Abraham's my friend. And you know what, Lonnie? God's your friend. Amen. Patrick, God's your friend. Tony, God's your friend. Randy, God's your friend. Jerry, God's your friend. Wow. Mary, God's your friend. Praise God. Alex, God's your friend. Praise God. He's your friend. And the Bible says he sticketh closer than a brother. How many of you believe it's it's important for the church to start believing that God's really on our side? He's our friend. And you know what friends do? Friends spend time with each other. Friends talk to each other. Friends help friends out by giving them some insight. I've had some great friends. By the way, you know what else some friends do? Sometimes friends adjust us too. Amen? How many of you had a friend adjust you once in a while? Uh, I, I remember there were times where I wasn't too mature and anybody who tried to adjust me, I'd say, oh, you're not my friend anymore. I wasn't too mature. But good friends adjust friends. And they speak the truth. A good friend will always give you the truth, even if it hurts. Because that's what a friend does. The last thing is this, is the Holy Spirit is my God. I want you to see something here. It's found in the book of John 16. Back with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. I I love this. John 16. I'm sorry, that's John 14. John 14, listen to this. I love this. John, John 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me and will keep my word. Now, God's not trying to put a lot of weight just on you obeying him in that sense. But what he's talking about is when you come into that agreement with him, you're walking with him as a friend. Notice what the Lord says. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. We will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now here, come on down to verse 25. These things I speak to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and... Bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. So what you've got in these verses, you have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together. But what he's saying here, as God, God is saying that I'm going to come and I'm going to make my home in you. Now what he's saying, and this is so important, is that he wants to come and live inside and he wants to dwell in you. He wants to reside in you he wants to have a voice in your life and he wants to be able to have that kind of intimate relationship with you can you say amen 
You see, God is a God who is not only big enough, but He knows enough and He cares enough about what you are. And He cares enough. And when He comes as God to live in you, and it says here that Jesus said that the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, they're going to come and going to make their home. What that means is this. Now listen to me. He's going to come as an interior decorator. How many of you ever had anything to do with an interior decorator? Well, not everybody has, but do you know what an interior decorator does? They come in and they rearrange things in the house. God's not going to just come into your life and make his home with the way things are. Because every time God comes in, it's always going to bring an upgrade. He's going to upgrade your life. You see, I remember years ago in this very sanctuary, uh, about some, maybe about 18, 19 years ago, we did a complete upgrade. This, this whole sanctuary is completely different than the way it used to. I know it's about 20 years old now. But, but I, I actually hired an interior decorator to give us insight on the sanctuary at that time. Now, I know a lot of the colors are outdated, so don't look too hard on these colors. But, but we, we hired, we, 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 we thought about bringing in an interior decorator. And because I, no, I have no eyes for color, and there's some women that, well, that were here and they were helping us. But one thing about an interior decorator is they're going to begin to rearrange the walls. They're going to rearrange the colors. They're going to take some things out and bring some things in. When God says, I'm going to come and make my home in your life, He's going to change the pictures that are on your walls. Some of us have some pictures on the walls of our heart and our mind that have been there for years, and those pictures are pretty bad pictures. Some of them are so negative. Some of them have to do with memories of your past. When God comes in and resides as an interior decorator, He's going to bring some fresh new pictures. He's going to bring some fresh new color in your life. He's going to rearrange some furnishings. Now, let me tell you a little story. Years ago, when I was first married to this wonderful woman right here, I'll never forget, I was a single guy. My wife was single when we got married. I was not a very colorful guy. But I'll never forget, my second year of marriage, my wife one day got a bright idea. And I came home from work, and Carol had redecorated our kitchen. And what, what I thought was fine, just black and white, all of a sudden was stark red. She had converted our entire kitchen to strawberries. She brought strawberry plates, strawberry curtains, strawberry cups, strawberry placemats, strawberry cookies, everything was strawberry. And when I came in, oh, I was livid. I was upset. I said, what did you do to our kitchen? She said, we needed more color in this kitchen. I said, this is horrible. I remember going to my pastor. Oh, I thought man to man we would understand. And my pastor heard my sob story. He looks at me and says, you know, Ray, what you need? I said, what? More strawberries. <laughs> and I couldn't believe. He said, what do you mean? He says, Ray. Your wife was added to your life to bring some dimension, some flavor, some flair. You by yourself, you need help. 
You need to learn to appreciate the, the flavor. She's an interior decorator. That's what God wants to do. God wants to bring some oomph to your life. You know, by ourselves, we're kind of boring. We're stagnant. We're stale. We're just kind of regimented, traditional. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, he's going to bring some color, some flair, some life. And I remember I had to come home. I'll tell you right now, I was mad at my wife. But you know what? The reason why I was mad is because she made the decision without me. But you know what? That was because I was so in control. I had to control. And some of us this morning, God can't do anything with you because you're so in control. And as you begin to let God have his way, he's going to start bringing some beauty and some color and he's going to start bringing some life and some fresh ideas and he's going to begin to launch you into some amazing things and fresh new ideas, fresh people coming into your life and people going out of your life and coming in and being a blessing. See, the Holy Spirit does one thing. He enhances you. He never limits you. He never bottles you down. He doesn't bind you down. He doesn't take you in and bind you and tie you in a knot. No, He sets you free. I remember one of the things about just getting used to strawberries, I had to learn to just say yes to Carol. I had to say, Carol, whatever you want to do in the house, go for it, sweetie. <laughs> I really did. I had to learn to just say, you know what? It's no longer Ray living in this house. It's Carol and Ray living in this house. And I need to learn to trust God that God's going to use my wife and her beautiful gifts. And my wife is an amazing housekeeper. She's an amazing interior. She, loves, she sees colors. She knows how things work together. I don't. I can't see it. I still am blind as a bat. Thank God for a good wife. But see, the Holy Spirit's going to bring that kind of expression and that kind of understanding and flair. Amen. How many of you believe we need that? That's what the Holy Spirit does. When he comes to make his home in you, it's going to brighten up your life. But the question is, will you let him? Amen? Let's bow our heads, shall we?